let us turn to them now. It's uh, Genesis 31. We're starting to read with verse 19. And I will read through the end of the chapter. So Genesis 31, 19 through 55. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep. And Rachel had stolen the household gods, household idols that were with his, her father. And Jacob stole away unknown to Laban the Syrian in that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He rose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journeys, journey that he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak not to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and have carried away my daughters like captives, taken with the sword? Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with timbrel and harps. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now... You have done foolishly in so doing. It is in my power to do you harm, but God of our father of your the, but the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, Be careful <laughs> that you do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. And now you have surely gone because you have surely because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? When Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do you not let him live in the presence of our brethren? Identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know what Rachel had st that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols, put them in the camel's saddle, and sat on them. And Laban searched all around the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let it not displease you, Lord, that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me. And he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that they may not judge between us both. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There, Therefore I was. In the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, 
and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been with your, your house twenty years. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock, it, it is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom, you, whom they have borne? Now therefore come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob uh, took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob uh, said to the brethren, gather stones, and they, they took stones and they made a heap, and they also ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jigar Sahuduth, but Jacob called it Gilead. And Laban said, These, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, its name was called Gilead. Also Mizpah, because he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. If you afflict my daughters or if you take, from, take other wives beside my daughters, although no man is with us, see, see God is witness between me, you, and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, Here is this heap, and here is their pillar, which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness, that I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the, on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. Let the Lord bless this reading as we analyze this text and uh, make of it what we would. The title of the sermon is Really Deep Family Problems, and we have focused on some of the difficulties of this family in the last few weeks. The point this morning is I want you to realize that these that families, uh, even though they are redeemed families, really need to focus on themselves for prayer. Uh, we, we don't necessarily want to simply look upon our families uh, with the idea of pride or or joy thinking oh how blessed we are uh, you can do that in the in the good sense or uh, realizing the virtues that are present but we also need to be circumspect and, and look at our families honestly and we need to look at ourselves honestly in the same way that we seek personal sanctification before the Lord we need to seek the Lord for family edification, family sanctification, so that our families would improve over the years, so that our families would get better, so that one generation would improve on the last, and so forth, so that our families would be evolving 
uh, toward the kingdom of God and toward his righteousness. And there would be great blessing. Um, today, we live in a day where uh, people think that the greatest need that they have is for self-affirmation or for uh, self-confidence. And they think that if they're not, if they, wherever they see themselves uh, with a lack of confidence, they think, well, we, I need to pour myself into that. I need to get more confident. Well, God would say have us to have before our eyes the idea of righteousness before confidence. He does want us to be confident, but he wants us to be confident based upon righteousness and goodness. He doesn't want any of us to say to ourselves, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just what I, I am. What I am, I can't, I can't do anything more. I can't improve at all. My family can't improve. What we see here in this uh, in this passage is this uh, passing by of the two parts of this family: the family family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their larger family that was back in Mesopotamia. The family that here is represented by Laban, and just as we. Uh, we're not dumb or foolish. We're not. Uh, we're not blind. We can see in our own minds uh, virtues in different families and, and places where one family eclipses us in terms of their virtue. And so, is God does not does God not see this? We just sang a song uh, the, to the the pagans who create these gods with ears and eyes and noses and and, and legs, and yet they don't don't move in the. The psalm says, "Is the God who hears? Does he not? Does he not have uh, divine ears? Does he not have divine eyes? Does he not see what is there?" And so, this passage of scripture exhorts us to to see what was going on in the scriptural family, to see what was going on in this patriarchal family, and then to uh, to use that knowledge to improve on our lives today. So that fathers and mothers would learn how to love each other more and more each day. So that brothers and sisters would uh, esteem each other's virtues and stimulate those the more that they uh, the more that they could. Uh, so that children might aspire to the goodness of their parents and and dread the idea that in their generation, that is the younger generation, that the righteousness of the family would recline or recede. Rather, they should want to press on and become greater trophies of grace, even than their parents. And so we come to the scriptures here with, uh, with uh, uh, the story of, of Jacob as he deals with Laban after this 20-year period that has gone on where he has basically become a captive of the, the less righteous side of the royal family or the, the redeemed family. So first of all, we see in the, in the sermon outline, we see these cr crude spiritual problems. Now, we all know that we have problems, but we may not trace them or identify them as being crude or rough. Well, I think we like to think of our sins as being rather sophisticated and uh, not, uh, not, really, not really as bad as other people's. But we find out here in what happened with uh, Jake, Jacob's family and the, the, uh, the incident of Rachel stealing the gods of Laban, we see that, that there, there was a terribly crude spiritual problem that existed in Laban's family. He identified with God's people. He identified as, as one of the sons of Nahor, who was uh, uh, 
uh, linked to Abraham, one of the godly men of the past. He identified with Abraham. And yet we find out that when Rachel stole these household gods, that they were the household gods of Laban. What in the world was Laban doing? He knew about Jehovah when, when Jehovah came to him in the dream. He, had done to, he knew who the Jehovah God was. And yet he had these idols in his family's home. And by being the head of the family, by being the father, and by, uh, by uh, embracing this paganism in his very midst, now you might say, well, it was a, little, it was a very small dose of paganism. He worshipped Jehovah. Uh, he he worshipped Jehovah in such a way that that uh, uh, Rachel and, Le- and Leah could become wives of Jacob in a righteous way and uh, and uh, certainly an enlightened way. They were not they were not like the the pagan girls who knew nothing. There was some righteousness in their lives. We covered some of that in earlier scripture passages. And yet, despite the knowledge of God, such as it was in Laban's house, it was not exclusive of some of the cultural totems and religious sentiments of his area, of his region, of Mesopotamia. And he indulged them. Instead of preaching against them to his neighbors, instead of setting himself up as a a righteous family, that could not possibly confuse the living God, Jehovah, with these things that we can make out of clay and wood. Uh, Laban was seduced to, at least in one small portion of his life, he was seduced into embracing these things. And they may have been in the back corner of his house. You and I, we may have little totems and taboos in the, in the recent and the, the, the distant parts of our, our, our personalities and our life. But if they're there, they're there. And we need to realize how they can have a greater effect upon others than we think. Now, in this case, Rachel, despite her righteousness, despite uh, her understanding of the Lord, she is attracted to uh, these little divine artifacts and uh, or what, assumed divine artifacts. And she to the to the point where she would take them with her. And so you can say, well, they were nothing to her. And she probably would have said, if you if you cornered her, she probably would have said, well, these things are really nothing. Well, then, Rachel, why did you want to take them? Why did you why did you think they were important enough to steal? To break God's law of thievery and stealing in order uh, to uh, to live your life. And Laban, if they were so insignificant to you, why did you notice they were missing right away from your house, from your tent? You see, so there's a a very gross, crass uh, infection that was brewing in Laban's life. They say in terms of idolatry, because the Israelites were given over to idolatry throughout their past. But they say, the historians say that when they were taken into the Babylonian captivity and held for 70 years, that after that 70 years, uh, there there was never any more idols that were kept in Israel. They may may have had other problems. We know they had other sins. They rejected the Lord Jesus Christ when he became incarnate and dwelt amongst them. But of all the things that they stopped doing, uh, one of those was their uh, their idolatry, these, these holding of household gods. 
So this is a crass thing, and uh, it's a crass thing for us to do certain things today. And it's wonderful if we aspire to, to, uh, to get beyond them. But these were part of the God's, uh, God's family in this day. Now, a second big spiritual problem that we see here is an inability to speak uh, with one another. And we see this in verse 21 and following, when, when Jacob flees with all he had, it says he rose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. Now, the mountains of Gilead were some 300 miles to the west. This is an amazing story of a family fleeing. And they, they fled for 10 days, uh, three days before Laban even knew about them, and then seven days after that. 10 days of a forced march to try to escape the vengeance of Laban. Uh, why, was, why was Jacob afraid of Laban? Well, look at what happened. The minute Laban finds out this, despite all of the difficulty that lay before him, if Laban counted the cost, he would have said to himself, I, I have to go on this long, torturous journey uh, w- with my house, and the, and the Lord has already warned me that I couldn't do any evil to Jacob. And yet he still followed. He was so angry and so upset. So did, Jacob, did, did Laban have any problems? He certainly did. Did he have any problems of personality? Did he have any problems of anger control? Did he have any problems of discriminating between good and evil? the right way and the wrong way. Yes, he did. And uh, all of these things were reasons for why Jacob fled uh, when he did to the West. But in our families, the Lord always gives us opportunities to talk about our problems and to resolve them. And so by the flight, by the flight that we see there in verse 21, we see that, that Jacob had given up on trying to talk to Laban. We know that he did talk to Laban because we have some of his conversations with Laban, some of the covenants that he made with Laban. We have them inscripturated. So the problem was not Jacob's in the main. It was a situation that he got himself into. He longed at this point in his life, he longed for the greater clarity, the greater enlightenment of Abraham and Isaac's house back in the land of Palestine. He longed for that. And uh, but he, he talk as he might, he could not get, he could not come to the place where he could see where Laban would understand. And, and let the, let the, uh, uh, let, the let his uh, daughters go with Jacob to the west. So we see Jacob was not easy. We see, I mean, Laban was not easy. We see Jacob tried to talk to Laban but we see the failure. If we if we tra- try to trace the failure, we have to say that it lays with Laban's personality. Now again, this was a semi-godly family at the least. And yet this, this difficulty with conversation, this difficulty with resolving things peacefully could not be obtained in this family. What about our families? How how open are we to talk about our problems? Or how much do we hide these problems and treat them as holy things, as if they cannot be dealt with, as if they cannot see the light of day? We've got to protect them because there's something 
holy or sacred about them. Well, what is holy or sacred about the problems that we have? And the more we take and unwrap them, the more we see that there's nothing holy or sacred about them whatsoever. If we have problems, we ought to be taking those problems to the Lord. And one of the things that I, it's uh, such a discouragement to me as a pastor over the years is to see families where I know there are unresolved tensions in the family, unresolved tensions of personality, unresolved tensions of relationship. And yet I know that the families are not taking those with energetically before the Lord to resolve them because they would be resolved if we were doing that. Uh, the Lord tells us to, to cry out day and night for the great needs that we have in our lives. He says, will I not bless you? And so um, we, we see that these are real problems. And but, but the blessing is when we can take a scripture like this and look at it and see that even godly families have these kinds of problems. And then we can say, we, then we can see that there's no need for this. If you look at Laban and you look at, uh, and you look at Jacob, they were two mature men in many, so many ways. Why could they not have reached resolution? Why could they not have talked about these? Why was there a need for Jacob to flee like this? There, there was no reason, there was no rational biblical reason at all. And yet that's what it came to. Uh, brothers and sisters, let our families not reach these levels. And I especially uh, encourage the, the, younger, the uh, younger people in our church and parents to encourage their children. This is something that you must uh, put in the forefront of your teenagers' minds as they move toward adulthood, as they move toward looking uh, whom they might marry, that they might find a spouse here or there. Uh, because... Uh, our families are precious things that the Lord gives us. The Bible says he set the solitary and the lonely in families. Does God set us in families so that we can simply linger in, our, in, the, in the midst of our failures and our lack of sanctification? Or does he set us in families so that we, like a fine sandpaper, might rub each other's rough edges off and that we might become more and more perfected, that we might become more better and better implements to serve the Lord, and to build the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's the latter. And so let us do that. Let us resolve to do that. Uh, uh, this flight that Jacob took off on is an amazing thing. Hundreds of miles needed to be covered with animals and wives and children. And, uh, uh, and uh, he got three days, uh, three days freedom to, before Laban even knew. And then it took Laban seven days of him taking a, an armed group of men to try to catch this group. It took them seven years, seven days. So ten days later, and you can think of the, the drama that was going on in the minds of the, of the people and their children. As day by day, they kept heading west toward uh, Israel. Day by day, and each day they would look out and there was still nobody in pursuit of them. And so they'd press on again. And then finally, on the 10th day, lo and behold, they see the colors and they, they can identify the people that are there following them. And it's Laban and his people. And I, I can imagine that uh, Jacob's heart sunk. And I imagine that the, the kids and everybody had been praying about these things. But anyway, 
they, they finally got together. And, and, and Laban and Jacob were forced finally to talk about things in a really open and honest way. And, and Laban was forced to see uh, what maybe he had not seen about himself before. Okay, the third problem that, that brought this about <clears throat> was Laban's self-centeredness. And for, verse 43 in this passage is one of the great, one of the all-time great verses uh, in, the, in the scriptures. Because remember, God had already appeared in, La to, in Laban's mind in a dream. And uh, the thought, that, the thought that reverberated, you know how a dream, you often have one thought that lingers, one thought that comes through the dream. And the, 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 the thought that God had implanted on Laban's brain is, Laban, you're not to say anything good or bad. And you're, and you're not to sit and judge judgment over Jacob. Just you know, basically keep your mouth shut and, uh, and, and listen. Well, he couldn't quite he couldn't quite do that, but he had the fear of the Lord in his brain when they finally came upon uh, and they finally came upon Jacob's group. But but uh, Laban uh, Laban it's a, it's amazing. Listen to what Laban says. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, "These daughters are my daughters. These children are my children. And this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine." Well, what does Genesis 1 say, or Genesis 3 say about a marriage? It says that the two shall become one. They shall leave their father and their mother, and they shall form a new family. So Laban here was contesting or making a contest with the very revelation of God. Laban considered that as long as he was connected with a family, that that was his family, that everything that was there was, uh, was his. It's just unbelievable that he considers the, 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 the women his, they were his daughters, but God says we have children, we have children, and then we give them over to a new family and a new relationship, and that new family has priority over us and our family. But Laban would not accept that as his own. And so he, and then he even claims the grandchildren as his own. I know, I know even today, I've heard of, I know of a couple families uh, in distant places where the the grandparents still assert uh, superiority over the grandchildren, over their parents. And it's led to uh, undue stress and duress between the children and their own parents because the grandparents didn't, cannot seem to understand the generational sequential development that God ordains by his scriptural revelation. And this was Laban's. Uh, this was Laban's issue. It's unbelievable how people can be so self-centered that their whole perspective begins and ends with them themselves. And uh, they 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 seem in the pyramid of values. They seem that they have it. They have it down. The easy part is they see themselves as superiors over their families and over their families and their families' families. They see their superiority in some sense as it as the. Um, Fifth commandment teaches us, but they don't see God's superiority over them. They don't see how God has said other things that indicates that they need to supplement, submit themselves to the larger family and the development of God's family over the generations so that they can still, the, the, the children can still honor them 
without letting them be the, the sovereigns over their second developing family. And so <clears throat> we see this amazing self-centeredness in Laban that was a huge part of the problem. And that was one of the reasons why the, the, their conversation broke down. Uh, that was one of the reasons why these idols uh, continued to be a problem. If he undoubtedly, the, the idols were not a part of Jacob's life. Uh, and uh, uh, they were part of Rachel's life, but not Jacob's. If, if Laban had listened to Jacob's preaching, he would have rid his family of these idols and made the improvements for which God called. And so uh, we see these really deep family problems. And, and uh, it's amazing. A number of poets and playwrights and novelists have contemplated deeply and, and uh, lamented their own families. I think of the, the American playwright Eugene O'Neill, who wrote many plays about the neuroses of his own family that he could see, that he could analyze. And so people can see these things. It's only in Christ that we really get the objective perspective which enables us to get beyond our problems, to put them under self-judgment, and to move on. Well, uh, as, we, as we pray about these things, in this passage of Scripture, we also see how God delivered certain blessings to Jacob. And we can hope for those same kinds of blessings today as we move through this life with our families. First of all, we see the dream that he gave Jacob in, or gave Laban in verse 24. Uh, God, uh, God was sovereign and uh, he interacted with people and their brains in a way that, that Laban had never seen before. He may have heard of these things with the older men of the family, but God gave him a dream himself. Laban dreamed a dream and it had to do with restraining Laban from hurting Jacob. Ultimately, our protection, ultimately our hope, lies with the Lord. We have these fears that this will go wrong or that will go wrong if I try to talk to him or her and our family, that it won't work. We ought rather to trust in talking and bring these things up in the context of the Lord and ask God to help because God can even put dreams in the minds of our family members to help us out into... Um, and to getting through these things, another another help that God gave. This was by a. This was not something that God did by, by in a way of, to say that it was a right thing to do. But it was it was simply a simple grace. God did not allow Rachel's uh, sin to be discovered by her father, and as she hid these idols under her saddle and then sat upon them and lied and claimed that it was her time of the month that she was having uh, her period uh, of uh, uh, that, uh, that, uh, uh, that God did not uh, God did not allow Laban uh, to find the idols. Uh, Jacob had already said he he'd said that uh, uh, Laban could have his justice upon whomever he found wherever he found or whomever he found the idols. And we don't know what would have happened if he had found, he loved, Laban loved Rachel, his daughter, but he was also vengeful on this day. And so there are times when God conceals or long suffers with our sins for our general uh, well-being, or our general safety in this world. It's an amazing thing. Uh, the, the book of Romans teaches how God long suffers with all kinds of sins generationally with us. 
And um, uh, this should remind us to maybe be merciful with each other sometimes uh, and pick our, pick our battles and not necessarily pick at every little thing that we find going wrong in our families. But, uh, but rather pick our, pick our battles, try to get to, the, get to the root of things, and then um, let many other things go. And so uh, the, the concealment of Rachel's idolatry was kind of a, a mercy in the midst of this. Uh, Laban's knowledge of covenanting, we see in verse 44, when the end of this process is reached, we see that it's Laban who basically says to Jacob, let us, let us covenant together. Jacob finds this pillar, uh, this stone pillar, and he sets it up as a memorial uh, to their relationship. And Laban invites him to covenant together in verse 44. He says, now, now therefore let us make a covenant, you and I, and let us be a witness between you and I. Now in some ways this is just a foolish thing. Jacob has no intentions of, go, of heading back there. He, if, when his whole purpose is to escape to get to Israel. But Laban must have been worried to a degree that, that Jacob would maybe get up a force of men and come back and thump him. <laughs> uh, work out some vengeance by his own hand. And so whatever the fears were that Laban had, whatever the, we know that they're, they're certainly righteous or uh, rational fears that Jacob might have had, but whatever, uh, Laban's knowledge of covenanting works out for good in this instant. And so out of his wrath, he speaks a word of, of uh, knowledge. Let us covenant together that there might be peace in our parting. So he's, he's resolved that they will part, but he asks for a, um, uh, a memorial to be set up there. And again, so this was one of the ways that God helped them. And then lastly, we see in verse 55, it says that at the end of this whole process, this wrangling, this this rabid search on the part of Laban for Jacob and his family. The hundreds of miles covered, we see that early in the morning Laban rose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. In other words, God worked out resolution here, even in an area of deep and abiding anger and fury. God worked it out. And then and he, he even blessed them. He gave his benediction over them <laughs> as the father of the clan. And then Laban departed and returned to his place. So, brothers and sisters, we see how we can have deep problems of, as Christians and our families. We ought to, in the, in, the, in the spirit of Christ, in the kingdom, we ought to work at those things and not let them simply lay latent forever. And we see that if we, if we do that, that God has blessings for us and our families, even through the strangest and the most animated parts of our problem, like people like Laban. Laban might rep be represented here by a child, by a brother, by a sister, by uh, a parent, and yet God works through us, works through them to bring about resolution in our families. So let us have the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Christ is not just interested that you learn all the theology that he taught. Christ is also interested that you would raise families, <coughs> redeemed families, that would display the righteousness that he taught and the happiness and the love that he taught, that we might be really uh, uh, examples of light in this dark world. Let's close in prayer. 
our Father and our Lord, we know that our Lord Jesus is interested in these things. We know that this is that's why it's part of his revelation, this written deposit that he gives us in the church. We pray, O oh Lord, that we would take these things to, to heart. We pray that we might not only value the theology of the scriptures, but that we might also value the families of the scriptures as thou dost teach us to build houses of righteousness and glory unto thee. Let our families, O Lord, be families of light, families of warmth, <coughs> families of glory that shine forth, that thy name has been written upon our doorposts, and that the righteousness of thy name shines above us as a flag and, uh, uh, and as a memorial. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.